We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, listeners? We want to let you guys know that this episode is sponsored by Harry's Razors. If you wanted to take advantage and save $10 on a razor set that includes a blade cover and shave gel, be sure to listen later in the episode for that offer. I am Richie. I'll be joined by Brian today for yet another mailbag episode. Uh, we're struggling to find topics here. It's a it's a downtime in the NBA. So again, we asked for questions on Twitter. We asked for questions in our Slack channel. Um, and again, we're going to be getting to as many of them as we can. Just a reminder, we are the go-to Charlotte Hornets podcast for deep analysis, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Network. Be sure that you guys are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever app you listen to us on. Brian, I know you've been working hard with ACC Sports. I've even seen some uh, ACC football stuff on your Twitter. I didn't know you got into that uh, a whole lot, but I know that you've been working hard, and I feel like, don't you have like a mini vacation planned, right? I do, yeah. No, this is, uh, you know, I'm not a huge football guy. I, I care far more about, about basketball, but my job does require some some football-related content, so I've been do I do similar stuff with numbers and stuff uh, on that side, but uh, but yeah, obviously far more passionate about about basketball. That's the thing that I've sort of tried to build a career around, as opposed to football or you know knowing both or whatever. But it is part of my job, and yeah, I got a little mini vacation planned. Was at Sunset Beach last weekend uh, with some friends. I'm headed up to Asheville this weekend with some friends, and then the following week I am gone to Vancouver, Canada for a four-day trip, which I'm really, really excited about and uh, wanted to go to BC for a long time, and I'm pumped to finally get up to Vancouver here. All right, very good. Uh, Housekeeping stuff real quick before we get into the questions. There were some roster moves that were made recently. Dwayne Bacon, his contract was guaranteed. Uh, He would have have to have been waived uh, on August 1st at 5 p.m., but his $1.6 million contract is now guaranteed for the upcoming season. That's probably to be expected. I don't think anyone expected him to be waived uh, on August 1st, so he is a part of this team moving forward. And then also the Martin Twins side. I think there was a little bit of an overreaction uh, with this on uh, on Twitter here. So Cody, our second-round pick, gets that three-year deal, gets the full bird rights. It will look a lot like Bacon and Graham's contracts. Mm-hmm. And then you have Caleb, and he was signed to an Exhibit 10 contract i guess in simplest terms the way to put this it's a uh, minimum contract it does not count against the team's salary he is not currently on the roster he can make the roster he can be one of the 15 but what the exhibit 10 does it gives an incentive or a bonus to caleb if he were to sign with the greensboro swarm if he were to be waived so he's not part of the roster guys so if you thought he was going to be he could certainly earn it in training camp but as of now, he just has a really basically a minimum training camp deal. Um, yeah. yeah, that bonus floats between like $5,000 to $50,000. And yeah, this is just like a summer training camp deal. Teams go into camp with about 20 players. And uh, Caleb Martin will be one of those guys for the Charlotte Hornets. But yeah, this is not like, a, a, you know, at this point, a guaranteed roster spot. Though it can be converted to a two-way deal. Uh-huh. Uh, Robert Franks already has one of the Hornets' two-way deals. or 
um, to a, a regular season roster spot, which the Hornets do have some availability there. Yeah, I think it's a low-risk type of deal here. Exhibit 10s are not something that locks these players into a roster spot. And as Brian was just saying, uh, if you count Cody, that's 13 players, uh, and there's two available slots. Caleb very well can make the team, or he could just make a two-way, or he just gets waived and he's not part of the organization at all. Any other thoughts about these players? I think Bacon was pretty uh, much to be expected here, Brian. Uh, Or should we just go directly to the questions here? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, just real quickly, no surprise with Bacon. I mean, it is sort of funny to see some of these other guys that were, you know, I think Derek Jones for the Heat was one of the other dudes lumped into this. And it's like, you know, these are guys that are really filling out. I mean, Derek Jones is actually like a, a real player, I guess, for the Heat. But, you know, these some of these other guys that you consider to be, have these kind of like, are you going to you know guarantee the second round pick contract? You know, these are guys that are filling out the end of the bench and Dwayne Bacon's gonna, you know, probably start on the wing or you right. know, be the first guy off the bench and might lead the team in usage rate. So, just goes to show you sort of where the horn. Again, it's a reminder of where the Hornets are, and I, that's how I sort of feel about the Martin Twins. It's a cool story. Those guys come from hard, hard times, and, and they've grown up together and, and play together in a lot of different areas. So, at the least, this is, I guess, kind of a cool story. Uh, it doesn't move the needle much for me in terms of making the team better or worse um, at this point. You know, what are you going to do in terms of filling out a roster? But they clearly like Cody. They used a high pick on him relatively in the in the draft. And, and uh, yeah, we'll see how he looks going forward. All right, let's get into the first question. This actually is a, a very interesting question. It's one that you have to think about a little bit. It comes from Noah Purser in our Slack channel. It says, what are our guesses on the odds or percentages that we see the Hornets or see each of these Hornets return past their current contract. So basically the easiest way to think about this is after their contract expires, let's just assume they pick up all their player options. After that point, what are the odds that they come back to Charlotte in a Hornets uniform following their, their, the expiration of their contract? So we're basically going to go as quickly as we can through these players I'm going to give percentages on whether or not I see them coming back after Brian might just give a you know high, low, medium, or he can kind of join in on the percentages. Uh, the first two players that we're going to talk about are Nicholas Batum and Terry Rozier. Uh, Batum is signed through 2021, or at least his player option is that season. So after that season, what we're asking ourselves is, what are the percentages that he, that he returns to Charlotte? I would say, I would say zero percent. I, I know that's kind of low. I, I think I probably should give a little bit, maybe two or three percent. But I'm I'm going to go ahead and say zero percent. Batum returns. Uh, he doesn't really fit their timeline. The Hornets are going younger, and at this point of his career, Batum is just not bringing a whole lot. Like I said, he's since that contract he signed in 2016, he's kind of been on that steady decline. Um, his playmaking, you know, that's what he's been known for, has been a little underwhelming as well. And we all know about his passiveness. I just don't see him fitting into this roster after that season. Rozier, uh, he signed through 21-22. Uh, I'm going to put a 65% uh, mm. odds that he returns. I think that the fact that he is a little bit younger uh, makes me put his odds kind of in, in this area. I think he's going to have a big opportunity to prove himself, Brian. Uh, playing some starter minutes, he's always done better as a starter, and that's kind of why I'm putting it at 65. And I guess it could go lower if the Hornets draft a top-tier point guard in the upcoming draft. And if he doesn't kind of prove himself in these starter minutes, then, yes, the percentages will go down. So what are your thoughts on Batum returning past 2021 and Rozier uh, returning past 21-22? No chance for Batum. And I think it's important to remember, A, just more broadly with the whole entire NBA, like think about how much the league changed over this summer. And go back, reset to the last just two or three off seasons. Like, you know, it's not likely for for the vast majority of these guys to still be around in a, in a couple of years. You know, once their once their contracts end. Um, but no, with Batum, I mean, th- this is a guy that could be. He'll still be in his like early to mid thirties in twenty twenty one. But you know, I, we'll see. Unless he has some sort of late career renaissance, it's just sort of hard to figure. I mean, he might. I don't think he'll be out of the league, but he played at a rate at, at a decline this season that would make you think that he was headed out of the league. So I just I don't see any way this guy comes back um, past 2021. 
Um, and obviously he could be even shipped off before then. And, and Rozier, again, this is a guy that we've talked plenty about why the Hornets acquired him. I'm still low on Terry Rozier as a player. I don't think he's going to do anything or much of anything over the next three years to um, encourage a second contract. You know what I mean? Like he's still, he's still going to be in his late 20, he'll be 28 or whatever well, when this deal expires. But I just don't, I just don't see him doing enough to coax a, a, a second deal out of the Hornets. And, and even though he's sort of a combo guard, I mean, I, I, depending on how guys like Bacon and Monk fit in and, and yeah, I do think, you know, if, if all things go according to plan, the, the Hornets will get a top five pick and they'll use that on Cole Anthony or Nico Mannion or, you know, Tyrese Halliburton or, you know, any of these other like you know, high level playmakers that are at the, the top end of the draft. And, and that'll sort of push uh, uh, Rozier further down the pecking order. Um, so, yeah, no, so I, 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 think, I think low. I, I think low. I think really yeah, nice number. Um, I think I think low. I, I do think low with Rozier. Um, and I think zero with, with Nick Batum. Yeah. Um, all right, moving it on here. Two guys in the final season uh, of their contract. These are two of the more expensive players on the roster. Bismack Biombo making $17 million this season. Marvin Williams making a little over $15 million. Uh, Bismack Biombo, uh, I just think no chance he's back. I, I don't even know where this guy is playing um, <laughs> year from now. Not like he's like, you know, old. He's in his late 20s. But um, I just, I just not sure Bismack Biombo is, is an NBA player. Um, if he is, he's certainly like a deep end of the bench, you know, locker room presence because he's a, a good dude, good guy to have around, whatever. But I don't see that being in Charlotte. Uh, with Marvin Williams, it's one of those things where I can certainly – so I'll say zero with Biombo. I'll say low with Marvin Williams, uh, low odds. Um, you know, A, I think there's a good chance this guy finishes the season on someone else's roster, you know, via a trade or a buyout. I mean, my hope is that the Hornets will be able to flip him for something. Perhaps that's optimistic. We'll see. But uh, I, I guess the one thing is if, let's just say, Marvin isn't moved before this season is over, I guess because he is such a, a high-level chemistry guy, he is such a, a high-character dude, he's really, really important. I mean, he's in a way, he's almost the face of the franchise now. Uh, you know, that's sort of something that he and Cody and I guess Miles Bridges are – sort of sharing at the moment, which is a interesting state of affairs to say the least. But I mean, I could see if he finished the season here, you say, Hey, we're rebuilding. You know what I mean? Like we got this guy's rights. We're rebuilding. He's good to have around bridges and Washington as they develop. Um, we'll bring him back for, you know, for, for, for something cheap as we're, as we're rebuilding right. next season. Um, so I think that's a possibility, but I just don't, I, I don't, I think it's really low with Marvin too. Yeah, that was my thought as, as well on Marvin Williams. I think, you know, he's different than Batum in terms of that veteran piece. He's he's the glue guy on this team. You could get him back on a discounted price. He's It feels like he's tied to this franchise. Yes, he's played with the, the Hawks and the Jazz, but I just feel like I associate Marvin Williams now with the Charlotte Hornets franchise. And like you said, he very well could be traded midseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he does finish the season with the Hornets, I would still go low. Like you said, Brian, I have it at 10%. I do think there's a slight chance that he could return uh, as that veteran piece on this team. But the one thing that I will say, I think that the position that he plays at is overcrowded on this team. So that that could be another yeah. you know a reason um, that he could be on his way out. And then I agree 100% with you on Biombo. It is 0% for him. As the Hornets, our position at center, it just needs a complete overhaul. We have a player that is really, really good, but he can't stay healthy. And then you have Hernan Gomez and, and Biombo, who have a lot of deficiencies on both ends of the court. Um, he just uh, Biombo just doesn't do enough for me outside mm-hmm. of his shot blocking that really warrants anything coming back. Like I mean, it would have to be an extreme discount, but I don't think they're even going to no. pay him any attention. So it's it's probably going to be zero percent for him. So let's move on to three players: Cody Zeller, these are interesting Michael names. K- yeah, Cody Zeller, Michael K. Gilchrist, and Malik Monk. Two of these players I, I have at a pretty low uh, percentage. And Monk, actually, I'll start with Monk. I have Monk at 50%. Yeah, I think I like that. It, it's, it's a weird thing with Monk. His rookie option in 2021 uh, could be picked up, but let's just say it is. And I'm saying after that year, it's going to be a 50%. I think 
you know, for a lottery pick, it, it should be higher than this, but he, he just yeah. lacks a true position. He's been very inconsistent on both ends of the court. It feels like the Hornets have to be very strategic who he plays with because he just doesn't fit with a lot of natural point guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to be a little bit bigger. He does fit the timeline. Like he does, he's, yeah, he's younger. So he that's why I'm going to say 50% on Monk. I don't think I would be disappointed if they just kind of cut their losses with Monk if he does not improve in these next couple of seasons, which he'll have plenty of opportunity to do so. And I actually have Zeller and Kid Gilchrist at the same percentage. And I'm kind of rethinking this. Maybe Zeller probably needs to be a little bit higher, but I have him at 15%. Mm-hmm. Like that. I think Zeller could be a trade chip, kind of like Marvin Williams, but that would require him to kind of be healthy up until February. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the perfect glue guy on you know a playoff team or on the mm-hmm. Hornets, and uh, that's really the reason I have him so low. He just can't stay healthy enough. And then Kid Gilchrist, I I can't figure this guy out. I think I, I like him more than most, uh, but this very well could be his last season in Charlotte. Yeah, I, I actually I'm I'm pretty I'm almost. You know, with you on basically all of those. I think Monk is sort of a of a coin toss, and, and I'll I'll save some thoughts on him because we're going to talk about Malik a little bit later in this in this podcast. But this is this is it. This is like their make or break year, you know, for him. Um, and, but I so at this point, I think it's fifty fifty. Uh, he certainly fits the age range of guys like Bridges and, and uh-huh. Washington. Um, I mean, Bacon, I guess, is like two two and a half years older than him or those guys too, but. Um, so I think it's a coin coin flip with Monk. This is he's certainly not without talent. Gotta remember that this dude is not without talent. But again, we'll talk about him more later. Cody Zeller is a very good player. I mean, this guy is one of the every year. You know, he and Stephen Adams and maybe Gobert that used to be marching Gortat are always right at the top in terms of screen assist. You know, we'll see what he looks like without Kemba. Now they were such a bread and butter pick and roll combination when when Zeller was healthy and. He, and you know all the numbers said this guy is a this guy is a good two way center on inexpensive but not you know completely outrageous you know he makes a little under fifty million make a little over fifteen million next season for a starting center quote unquote that's not horrific um, you know you probably wish it was like you know twenty percent less than that but whatever I, you know I don't think this is a guy that can be moved quite this year because there's still a whole other season on, on his, on his, yeah, on his right, deal. Right. So, but I mean, I guess there's one, you know, some team could like to say, Hey, we're going to get this guy in house and he's good. And if he's healthy and we got him for another year on a, on a decent salary. So maybe not the, the inverse of that could be true too. But I think at some point he does become a trade chip and, and he is a good player. And, and with MKG, again, this is a guy just, I, I think we're going to be looking at some point in the next nine months or so and just being like, where's this guy's home? You know what I mean? I just don't, know what position he plays where he fits um I mean it's hard to imagine him anywhere other than Charlotte I I just feel like guys like this that are the sort of like no shooting wings all granted he's playing plenty of power forward these days too it's just like those are the guys that if they're on their second contract with the team that drafted them that team that drafted them is overvaluing them I've said this about MKG and Andre Roberson with the Oklahoma City Thunder I think, you know, obviously I think MKG is an NBA player in, in some capacity. I just – I see him playing for cheap somewhere else, uh, not in Charlotte. So I'd say low in that 20 per, 20% range. And same with Zeller, maybe that 10 to 20% range. Like you said, 15 for those guys, that makes sense. So I'm yeah. actually with you yeah. on all of those. All right. Speaking of some of the names we just spat out here recently, uh, we've got the two most recent lottery picks for the Charlotte Hornets, P.J. Washington – and Miles Bridges, uh, Bridges in year three of a rookie contract that, if it goes to the extent of it, would run through the 2022 season. Same thing for P.J. Washington, but at the 2023 season, he's in year one, a rookie deal. And then uh, Aaron Gomez, who's in the final season, a very cheap deal um, with the Charlotte Hornets. So with those guys, with Aaron Gomez – Low, really low. Uh, I mean, I, I guess he's one of those guys you could bring him back, uh, you know, as a as a cheap center to help fill out the roster for next season. I just, I think at this point he sort of is what he is, and if you're going to try to take a flyer on a cheap center, you can find one with a little more upside. But we'll see how he plays this year. I, I, my expectations are low, and, and therefore I think it's very, very low chance that 
that uh, Aaron Gomez is back with Bridges in in Washington. Like, yeah, I think high for both of those guys. I think with a guy, with Miles Bridges, unless something completely drastic happens, it's like a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Um, right. And I would say without you know, I need to see PJ Washington play, and obviously the foot injury is disconcerting. Um, and it would have been nice to have seen him in Vegas, but really high too. I mean, again, it, unless there are these guys are traded or there's something like drastic happens, there's a very high chance that both of these dudes are back, especially Bridges. Um, so I would say close to 100% for Bridges and, and I don't know, better than 50, you know, 75, 80% for, for PJ Washington, perhaps even closer to 100%, but very high for both of those guys and very low for Aaron Gomez. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I viewed it. I, I do go a little bit higher on the percentage for Hernan Gomez. Yes, this is his final season. I put it at 45%. He's relatively on a cheap contract this season, um, and he still has a lot to prove. And I think you know the, the center position on this roster is definitely one of the worst after Cody Zeller. And if you factor in Cody Zeller's injuries, it, it's probably not that Awful. great to, when this, you look at it. The center it. rotation yeah. on this team is terrible, yeah. especially so, beyond Cody. Yeah, and, and Hernan Gomez, you know, plays you know right into that. He's got to add a shot from distance and do it with volume. That could go a long way in keeping him next season. Uh, again, he he like uh, Monk is going to have plenty of opportunity to show himself this season. Uh, so I'm going to say 45 percent for him. Uh, I agree with you with Bridges, 99 percent. He's shown enough promise uh, for me to basically kind of lock him in. I'm, not, I'm never going to say 100 yeah, percent, but 99 percent. Right. Yeah. And then for Washington, I have him at 90 percent. Kind of hard to truly judge someone that we really haven't even seen any yeah. NBA level play yet, even missing out on summer league. Uh, but you do have to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. But uh, like you said, the foot injury mm-hmm. could be a issue. And then also, you know, he could just be like a Malik monk. Yeah. doesn't, doesn't turn out the way that you're supposed to. Uh, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say 90% for Washington and 99% for bridges. Let's get to the final two players here. Uh, Dwayne Bacon and Devonte Graham. Dwayne Bacon, like we noted in the beginning of this uh, episode, he's in his final season. Uh, his contract has been guaranteed. Uh, I will say 95% after this season. I see a little reason why Bacon wouldn't be back next season. Uh, I'm not going to go as high as Bridges, like 99%, but it's basically the same situation here. I do think his uh, numbers will dip, especially in the uh, efficiency department, uh, but he's definitely proven uh, his mm-hmm. worth on this roster. And then for Devontae Graham, I'm going to put him at 90%. Mm-hmm. Uh, his contract runs out, or he has a non-guarantee in 2021. So let's just say that gets guaranteed. So after the 2021 season, I will say 90% he's still with this team. He still struggles shooting the ball, mm-hmm. but he plays the point guard position like a veteran. I mean, he just makes great decisions, rarely makes you know costly turnovers or mistakes. Mm-hmm. They clearly viewed highly of this guy because they – use bird rights and they traded Trade for him uh, yeah. in that second round. Yep. So 95 bacon, 90 gram. Yeah. I think bacon is, is pretty high too. I mean, I think he's going to put up a lot of uh, sort of like empty calorie stats this year. So the, you know, the numbers will pop, but as you said, the efficiency will probably dip regardless. I think even if this guy, you know, he's going to play himself into another contract of some kind. And even if that is, a, you know, that will likely be a raise of some kind, even if that is like a substantial raise, you know, you know, all of a sudden, if, you know, this Wayne Beck can become a guy that can could command the mid-level exception a year from now. I mean, I, do, I don't think so. But if he becomes a guy that can that can make in that like nine to ten million dollar a year range, I mean, Charlotte can still I don't think that's going to happen. But like Charlotte can still bring him back. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like they, uh-huh. they, they have space next year. This guy, they have his rights. Um, I think it's a very high chance that he's going to be back. And obviously he's shown some, some promise, especially in a little bit more of a, a wacky small sample, relatively small sample at the end of this most recent season. But no, I think high chance that he's back. Devontae Graham, I actually think it's like a little more of a coin flip. Um, you know, I, I love Devontae Graham and I, and I think, I think like he's, not far away from being like a legit backup NBA point guard. Um, and there are, there are value to those guys, but even those dudes flip teams all the time. And for a guy like Graham, that's in the, like the six foot six, one range, you've just got to just to really stick at a place. You've got to become like plus on one end of the court. 
you know, you got to become, you got to you do, you know, Van Vliet's pretty good on, on, on both ends of the floor, but it's like, you've got to become a Corey Joseph defensively to stick and, and get another second multi-year contract. You know what I mean? It's just like, or you've got to become a really, really good offensive player. So I, I love the, the, the fact that he you know, doesn't turn the ball over and he plays with poise and he has good confidence, but the, the shots got to show up this year or he's going to have to hit a level defensively. Um, if not, I think there's a chance that, you know, Devontae Graham is somewhere else after, uh, you know, after 2020 or 2021. Right. I mean, there does seem to be a lot of turnover when it comes to the backup point guard yeah. position. So you could be correct on that. Uh, so we we basically agreed on everyone except Terry Rozier, uh, Hernan Gomez. We had a little bit of differences. And then Devontae yeah. Graham, it seems like you're a little bit lower yeah. on than I am. So um, let's transition to question number two from Phil Cooper. Uh, on Twitter, you can find him at P underscore Coop 85. What does Monk need to do to become the starting shooting guard? Um, so first off, I don't think he'll get the starting nod right away. I don't think by any means he's going to be penciled into that starting position. I guess unless Borrego sits Batum and they play Bacon and Monk together. But I think as of now, in my opinion, the, the two wings, shooting guard, small forward, are Bacon and Batum. And I really don't anticipate that really changing. Um, so I, I will say I think that Monk has a lot. He has a long way to go mm-hmm. to make this starting lineup, even with the current state of this team in terms of it being in rebuilding mode and, and he being one of those guys that fits the long-term future, if he can put it all together. I guess the three things that I think that he needs to work on, just kind of made a note of this, shot selection. And it's not necessarily just location, but it's also how early in the shot clock he shoots it. Uh, doing it within the flow of the offense after how many passes he's just not pulling up you know without getting to, into the flow of the offense that's one shot selection uh, I think he needs to improve his outside shooting uh, his numbers I think need to be closer to that 36 37 percent from behind the arc mm-hmm. and then I think not tremendously but I, I feel like he needs to improve somewhat on the defensive yeah, end yeah. I, th- I feel like if he can kind of fix those three things uh, he will have an opportunity to at least get significant minutes for the shooting guard but I, I there's not really a way that I see him starting the season at shooting guard unless something goes bad. I don't think it's necessarily a problem for Monk not to play shooting guard because like in, in all actuality, this guy's like future ceiling might be flamethrower that comes off the bench, right? You know, microwave offense. It, it might be – this guy's destiny might be Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford, and we all like to make those comparisons. So, um, you know, it's a, we're at an interesting place with Malik Monk. He's just 21 and a half years old. He's played close to 19,000 NBA minutes. Um, you know, most of the catch-all, if not all of the catch-all numbers are saying this guy is, you know, he's not very good. <laughs> There's not a lot of room for optimism at this point. But again, he is young and he is certainly has skill and he certainly showed plenty of stuff um, his one year at, at, at Kentucky. Like he had some big moments there and he's had some good games in the in the pros too. You know, at this point, his trade value may have plummeted too. Like, is that that's something to keep an eye on? But I just, he's a guy that's going to get plenty of opportunities this season, and I think it's worth not just to, not just to see like, oh, can this can Malik Monk become the starting shooting guard? This is something that like the Hornets need to audition this guy on the ball too. I mean, I, I know we 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 laughed about this in the last episode because a. When Monk played point guard as a rookie, it was a straight disaster, uh, minus 17 net rating. And he played just 21 possessions at point guard last season, according to Cleaning the Glass. Um, you know, he really, like, he's been really reluctant to play there, even though maybe the Hornets tried to push him in that direction at times. So, yeah, it does feel like, you know, if he's going to f- focus on that, that catch-and-shoot role, he's got to improve. Um, you know, he's got to knock down the turnovers a little bit. He's not been a high-turnover player, but if he's just going to be a movement shooter type, then the turnovers need to drop. The shot selection needs to get better. Um, you know, just way too many. You know, his numbers out with the pick-and-roll last season were really not that good shooting the ball. A pick-and-roll ball handler, sub-39% effective shooting. Um, spot up, you know, he's right at 1.1 points per possession, 51% effective shooting, 37% three-point shooting off the catch, just 24% uh, shooting on pull-up threes. Uh, Look, the guy's going to get opportunities this season. His shot selection got a little bit better um, in year two, but his effective shooting remained about the same, like a little under 48%. But more shots at the rim, 
not a ton. Still too much from the yeah, mid range. He actually did pretty well at the rim. If I'm yeah, he did. He did all right. right. I actually think he's got like he has some vision, and I think he has some promise in terms of feel playing on the ball. Like we've seen him have some some good moves. I, I you know I just he just needs a ton of reps. You just got to see what you have with him, and um, you know depending on how things go this year, good or bad, it, it could be you know the start of a, a new leaf for him in Charlotte. It could be you know closing in on the end of the road with Malik Monk. Yeah, it, it could definitely go a lot of different directions. But as of now, he's going to have to earn his way uh, back into that you know rotation. And we'll talk about rotational minutes uh, after this break, guys. We've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure that you guys are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade shave gel and a travel blade cover get all that just for three dollars shipped right to your door enough with the cheap razors it's totally worth trying harry's harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. harry's bought a world-class blade factory in germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you guys a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. All right, the third question comes from Patrick Connor 7 on Twitter. It actually overlaps with another question that, that Phil Cooper had talking about Miles' best position. And it's come out, uh, I think it was Borrego that said that Miles' best position or the position that they would like to play him at is the power forward. And they're wondering how that affects P.J. Washington. Could P.J. Washington be, you know, slide him to the, the five or play him down to the three? How is this going to work out or affect P.J. Washington, especially if they're going to be playing together. And as much as I think that Miles needs to play the four at times, I still feel like within this roster, he's probably going to see more time at the three. Mm -hmm. I, I just just looking at the roster and the rotation and how the pieces fit together, I think Miles Bridges probably will play small forward more than power forward. But that, that's just my gut instinct. He might start at the four, but maybe see yeah. more time at the three. As it relates to P.J. Washington, I don't really see him you know, playing the three while Miles, Miles plays the four. I think it's flip-flop. I think Miles plays the three while P.J. Washington plays the four. I guess if you wanted to go small, Brian, I guess you could put uh, P.J. Washington at the five, but I guess we'll have to see a little bit more of that on the NBA level to see if that actually works. Uh, and I don't mind them playing together. I just think that Miles will be the three, yeah. whether or not James Borrego comes out and says he's a, he's a power forward. So, what, what do you think of this question in terms of how Miles' position affects PJ's? Well, first off, I think we're definitely going to see, you know, assuming good health, I, I think we'll definitely see Bridges at the four, Washington at the five this year, especially considering just how much of a, you know, Cody will almost certainly get hurt at some point and the backup centers on this roster, like it's a disaster. So I'm sure we'll see that. And, and I, I'll, I'll be intrigued to see what that looks like. Maybe it works. Uh, a couple of numbers to spit out for you here. According to Basketball Reference, Bridges, it was a pretty close, you know, pretty evenly down the middle between with him at small forward, him at power forward this past season. 53% of his minutes at the three, uh, 47, 47% of his minutes at the four. But like even then, I feel like there's got to be some noise on that because a lot of those lineups come with, you know, MKG or, or Marvin at the four. And it's just, it's sort of tough to tell. Um, necessarily you know these then there's the team switching so it's like you know who how are we how are we even sort of like quantifying these 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 possessions as as a certain position um a couple other numbers according to cleaning the glass lineups with miles bridges at the three last season this is over 1700 possessions this is with marvin or mkg or frank at the four uh the hornets 109 points per 100 possessions on offense uh 100 14.4 points per uh, per 100 possessions allowed 
Defensively, minus five and a half net rating, uh, 51% effective shooting, 28.3% offensive rebounding rate. So you can tell, especially when he's playing with guys like MKG and when Bridges with a three, like they're making an effort to get get on the glass and and we'll see what that looks like perhaps with uh, with some with P.J. Washington this year too. With Miles Bridges at the four last season with the threes being Nick Batum, Dwayne Bacon, and Jeremy Lamb, uh, these lineups were actually pretty good. Um, which would add some credence to what James Borrego was saying uh, a little bit ago. But uh, plus 0.2 points per possession net rating. Uh, They scored almost 114 points per 100 possessions. This is close to 1,500 total possessions, 54% effective shooting, 12% turnover rate, 23% offensive rebounding rate. So you can see how that dropped. A little bit when Bridges with the four as opposed to the three. And I mean, look, some of these lineups late in the season with Frank at the five, Dwayne Bacon in, and Kevin Walker, we talked about this plenty in March and April, but like those those lineups were like kind of kicking ass at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's sort of irrelevant now because uh, Kemba's gone, most importantly, but as is Frank Kaminsky or really any of the other stretch fives on the roster, unless you, you know, Marvin, I guess, or perhaps PJ Washington in some certain small ball lineups, I guess ultimately like what you're just trying to figure out is what's the best way for PJ Washington and miles bridges to fit whatever that is. Cause when we were just talking about earlier in this episode, how likely those guys were to be beyond their current contracts. And they're just in year two and in year one in the NBA, you know, we both said 90 plus percent for those guys. Um, so you're just you gotta find the way to make them fit. And so similar to what you were just saying, Richie, like, and this can change because these guys are interchangeable, the team's gonna switch plenty, yada, yada, yada. But if you're gonna play these two guys together, and hope hopefully you'll see a fair amount of that. I mean, I think that's gonna have Bridges at the three and, and PJ Washington at the four. Uh, I mean, PJ is a versatile defender and a, and a very solid help defender, but uh it, we'll have to see first how he does defending NBA threes, right? Before we can say, oh, oh these guys are completely interchangeable and, and they're both right. three and a half right. or whatever. I mean, I think that's like where they're at or they're close to, but we just need to see PJ guarding in space on the perimeter uh, before we can get, get there. But there again, I can see this is why some people that at the draft were worried about overlap. Like this, they probably were like scratching their heads a little bit based off of some of these quotes. You know, I'm less concerned about it because just give me versatile players that are smart and can be, be positive assets on both ends of the court. So just see how those guys, Washington Bridges, uh, function together this year. Yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, this might be semantics. Like if PJ Washington turns into that three and a half, like you said, he's able to guard some guys on the perimeter. Uh, Miles and P.J. Washington are going to become interchangeable at that three and the four position. But as of now, I don't think you could say anything other than the fact that Miles is a three and P.J. is a four. Or if you go small, Miles is the four, mm-hmm. P.J. is the five. So next question comes from the Slack channel from Keith. What do we project to be the minutes allocation? Probably earlier this week, I put out a little graphic on my potential projected Hornets rotation, it's probably not going to be anywhere close to what, what it is. Yeah. But uh, I was just kind of looking at the starters and some of the backups and, and things of that nature. And things started to get really uh, crowded at that three and four position. And that was kind of a, a challenge for me as I, as I made this roster in terms of minutes allocation. So I don't really know how we're, we want to talk about this, Brian. But let's, let's just first get this out of the way. Who do you project to be the starters? Because I, as of now, and you can see my graphic on my Twitter handle, Terry Rozier at the point guard, Bacon, Batum on the wings, and then Bridges, and then Zeller. Do you have anything different? Yeah, no, that that looks about right to me. I mean, it, it seems so stupid that Nick Batum is, would be starting for a team that's it's like, what's the point? But uh, but again, I mean, he's right. under, the point is he's under he's the most expensive player on the roster for the next two seasons. Like that's the point. You can't just like shoot that guy in outer space like you wanted to do with Dwight Howard two years ago. Um, no, this looks about right for me uh, as far as the starters go. Um, you know, I think uh, again, Zeller is this team's probably best player, and Bridges is their best prospect. And you know, they just you know, Rozier was I guess quote unquote a big addition this summer. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess you could see Malik perhaps flipping spots with Dwayne Bacon and having you know him starting over Bacon or having Bacon at the three and Monk at the two and Batum to a bench role. But then I guess that invites 
other kinds of issues. And you never know, perhaps Marvin Williams starts and Bridges moves to the three. You know what I mean? I think like that could work too. Um, I mean, these are there's a lot of inputs. None of them are really like that great. You know what I mean? But if Zeller's healthy, he's going to start. Same with Bridges. And um, and I guess the two swing pieces are guys like Marvin and uh, and Malik Monk, I think. Okay, and I'm going to run down real quick, not necessarily um, by position, but just by player, the minutes that I have allocated uh, for all of the, not all of the players, just like a 11-man rotation. You tell me off of this uh, graphic that I have on Twitter, which one do you think maybe is too much and which one do you think is too little? So as of now, I have Bridges and Rogier playing the most minutes with 32 minutes, Dwayne Bacon right behind them at 31. I do have Batum at 29 minutes, uh, Zeller at 26 minutes, knock on wood. Hopefully he's healthy. Hernan Gomez at 19, Monk at 19, Marvin Williams at 17. I know we were talking about his minutes last year and actually got higher than mm-hmm. I thought it would. Uh, Devontae Graham and P.J. Washington at 15. And then I have Kid Gilchrist. I, I try to find some kind of role with him on this team as the 11th man and uh, five minutes. It's really not all that much. So is there any one player on here that you think – probably deserves more minutes or maybe will get more minutes than I have them allocated. Yeah. I mean, it hurt. It stings a little seeing a guy like MKG with all the issues that, that I had, that he has functionally as a player and him having five minutes. It's just, again, it's a bit of some of these guys that are still here, the, the expensive veterans that are here now that Kemba's gone, it's just a little, it's like, man, what are we doing? The guys like MKG and, and, and Nick Batum, you have Malik Monk pegged for 19 minutes. I just think we got to see more. I just, yeah. I just, my, again, my thing is this team is going to be terrible. They're going to win like 25 games next season. Um, but you just got to know what you have with this guy. And it might be that he's not a good basketball player. Like that might be the end result, but you just got to try with him. Um, but everything else. Would that, would that come at the expense of Batum? You think like Batum yeah, kind of dips I, down I would, a little bit. Maybe he's like the ceremonial starter. Yeah, I would, I think so. Or perhaps maybe even a little, you know, maybe Rozier knocks back down to closer to 30 minutes or something like, you know what I mean? Like I could see something along those, that level, but I think Batum is sort of the easiest one. And boy, it just hurts seeing Willie Erningham is pegged in for <laughs> 19 minutes a game. Um, I know. But, you know, I mean, there are no, like he is the, in terms of the guys that are the true centers on this roster, yeah, I guess he's the uh, the second best. Just, wow, what a, what a difference, what a gap in talent between Cody Zeller and uh, Aaron and Gomez. And, and that's the thing when I was looking at it, and I think I, I factored in the fact that uh, Cody Zeller is probably going to get injured this year. He's not going to yeah, see as many right. minutes as I would anticipate him. So I had to kind of bump up Hernan Gomez in that aspect. And Marvin Williams, he played some small ball five last yeah. year. But again, he's getting older and older. It's it's not one of those things that you can pencil in Marvin Williams 10 minutes at the, at the, just make, you know, the center position. Just make NKG the backup center and give him 20 minutes a game. <laughs> like, I mean, what, that, that could not – I mean, yeah, you'll get crushed in a lot of things. But, like, again, this team's going to be terrible next season. Like, I – just make MKG the backup five on this roster. I'm saying that like only in half jest. But seriously, give yeah. give guys like go get as funky and weird as you possibly can. Play MKG, play PJ Washington, play these dudes at the five because any minutes that Willie Aaron and Gomez plays at the five, I mean, they're just, you're just lighting the. You're going to be bad regardless, um, but you're just lighting those things on fire basically. Um, one other thing that I would throw in there too, again. I, I know we there are so many problems that come with Malik Monk playing the point guard and or being a primary initiator offensively, but I just think it's something that they've got to try this year. Um, and so, again, it, it'll it'll it won't go good. Like it won't go well, I should say. Um, but I think it, you know they're going to they're going to hemorrhage points and and they're not going to be that efficient. But I just think you got to try Malik at some of these backup minutes this season if you can sort of like coax him into. To, to doing that to be accepting of that type of role yeah i just like i guess you pair him with bacon like i guess that's what yeah. you do like uh, there's no other there's I, or or batum i guess you can put him out there with yeah. batum so you have a little bit more length on the perimeter but like <sighs> it's one of those things where if you try him at point guard it may it might i don't know i just don't see him as this guy that facilitates the offense because yes he may be guarding point guards but uh on the offensive end he's not going to be somebody that uh 
right. is going to be initiating the offense or running things out there as the one. And I guess another thing, you kind of brought this up about Nick Batum being the highest paid player on this team. And as of now, I have him penciled in for uh, 27 minutes at the starting small forward position. And uh, I guess it's one of those things that, yeah, you're paying him this much. But you would like to see Malik Monk play more minutes. You would like to see Devontae Graham and Dwayne Bacon kind of take in and, and soak up the minutes that Batum is playing. What are your thoughts on this? Like, you know, regardless if this guy plays 27 minutes, Batum we're speaking of, or 10 minutes, he's still getting paid regardless. Or do you feel bad yeah. about paying him that much just to have him play 10, 15 minutes a game? I mean, it's a sunk cost either way, right? You know, the, in terms of his salary, like you, you know, all, every penny of that's guaranteed. Um, and again, you're not going to be good regardless. So no, I, I don't want him, if, if we're prioritizing developing, if the Hornets, I should say, are prioritizing developing guys like Washington, Bacon, Bridges, Monk, then yeah, I don't want Nick Batum siphoning minutes off of those guys, even if, you know, he is the most expensive player. But I, but I realized that like that, it, that in a vacuum is easy to say, practically it's harder to actually do right you know what i mean uh-huh. so um that that's sort of where i'm i'm at with that but yeah i don't right now no i, I don't like the thought of nick batum playing 25 you know you know it just yeah. again these the young guys need the minutes they need the experience um this team's not going to be good no matter whether nick batum plays 35 minutes a game or 15 minutes a game yeah, and I can't remember like if I did this like how I thought the Hornets were going to do it, or if it was like my personal thoughts or kind right, of right. combination of between. So I, right. when I was doing this, I didn't really know how to approach this type of no, question. But yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, last question of the episode. It actually comes from several people. Uh, they are all asking something similar. Are there any remaining free agents you like for us to target? With our exceptions, we did mention this on the previous episode, the previous mailbag episode, in which we kind of threw out some names. And to be honest, Brian, I'm not even sure that they're going to actually use this MLE, at least not uh, during the offseason, and pick up anyone. And I'm not sure there's really a target that I'm like dying for them to go after. And there's also a question from Powell in Slack, and he says this. One thing that really panned out for Brooklyn was taking a risk on D'Angelo Russell, a high lottery pick who didn't really pan out where he was drafted. Is there anyone around the league, Brian, that is – possibly in a similar situation than uh, or as Russell that you could see the Hornets kind of taking a shot on via trade. So any of these like past two or three uh, drafts, maybe a player that's not getting a lot of minutes or maybe that's just not producing that we could approach within a trade. You know, you're sort of looking for those like prospects in distress or whatever. First off, as far as like free agents go, uh, there's no one good <laughs> straight up. There just isn't anyone good. Um, perhaps maybe you think there are some of these veterans that you could you could sign one of these guys to a to a cheap contract and turn them into a, a trade chip, find one of these shooters or whatever, um, you know, your J.R. Smith types. But um, I don't see though I don't see that being a thing. The Hornets have much, if any, interest in doing, and and I don't really think that's quite worth the cost. There's nothing wrong with going to the uh, to the season of the MLE. I mean, you can use it during the season and stuff too. You know, I I'm sort of intrigued by the idea of of again of as you're doing this rebuild, trying to be smart if you can, try to operate on the margins. You know, obviously we're, people are interested. We're interested as following the team as the Hornets turning into a a place that could be a a dumping ground for salary to to help uh, you know accumulate assets. But one of these other things would be finding these prospects that are in distress and getting them into your system and developing that player. And obviously it. It worked out well uh, with Brooklyn with uh, with D'Angelo Russell um, uh, in in a, in a variety of ways. You know, it's sort of hard to like. It just you don't find a lot of like young lottery picks that uh, teams are willing to shop uh, unless they've just completely given up on them. And obviously, things were weird in L.A. with D'Angelo Russell and Magic Johnson in summer of 2017. Uh, I don't know. I think there are some interesting names. You know, Frank Nielakina, Dennis Smith Jr. with the with the New York Knicks as people are sort of uncertain what the Knicks are going to be doing going forward as they sort of get ready and eye the summer of 2021 free agency. Perhaps Mo Bamba um, down in Orlando. Uh, you know, the Magic just signed uh, Nick Vucevic to a big contract this summer. Um, you know, you can't play he and Mo Bamba together. It's a contract that runs throughout the entirety of 
uh, Bamba's rookie contract too, right? Uh-huh. Um, they also re-signed Ken Birch, a good deal to bring. Ken Birch is a good player. It's a good deal for the Magic. Um, so like Bamba might be like, he's like the third center on this roster. Uh, I'm not crazy on him as a prospect. Wasn't a year ago and continue to not be now. But yeah, he's a guy. There are available minutes at center for the Hornets, right? Um, and he's a talented guy at, at his size that has shown flashes of the ability to uh, step out and hit a three. So I think he, I think those are some names. Again, you're looking for guys that have been picked in 2016, 2017, 2018 that have just not really turned out and are on rosters that are either uh, you know gunning for playoff spots. All of the Magic are sort of in flux, like the Knicks, and who may be trying to figure out what they want to do. Uh, with with someone like Dennis Smith Jr. What's funny, some could say about this question, maybe Malik Monk, if you were approaching it no, from a different totally, team. <laughs> totally, no, one hundred. I mean, when we yeah. were talking about Monk earlier in the in the pod, I, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Um, and so, guys like Neil Akina and and uh, Smith that were picked right around Malik Monk, you know, in the twenty seventeen draft. It's uh, it's funny to think about. But yeah, those are the names that just thinking out loud that sort of jump off the the page to me if, if I had any more hope for Chris Dunn I mean he'd be a guy but but I think we can sort of uh you can sort of table it table it with these guys here yeah I like Dunn as a, as a defender but I'm not really sure what he brings on the offensive side yeah. of the court so we're pressed for time here so guys thanks yeah. again for tuning in as always if you disagree with any of our opinions our minutes allocations or just anything that we've talked about in this podcast we are definitely open to that conversation on Twitter our handle is at BuzzBeatPod. Also, I don't want to sound like we're begging here, Brian, but if you haven't rated our podcast on Apple Podcasts, we definitely appreciate a five-star review uh, and rating. And if you wanted to join our Slack channel, just DM us your review, and you guys get that immediate invite. You, you join in our conversations about the Hornets. Shout out to everyone that's already in the Slack channel, Keith, Daniel, Powell, Noah Purser, the rest of you guys. I know I'm not mentioning everyone, but uh, be cool like them and and join our Slack channel of ours. Uh, For Brian, I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. Go Hornets. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.